any personality tool says, actually, no, you're you're just like other people. And whether that be strength finders and or whether that be Myers-Briggs, DISC, or the big five, it puts us in a group to say, like, no, no, you're just human, but you're uniquely human as well. We have so many negative beliefs about ourselves. These personality tools actually name something of our glory, of our God-given glory, about how we can reflect, uniquely reflect something of who God is for us. Welcome to this episode of the Art Espousing Podcast, and thanks for taking time out of your full life and joining us for the show. We hope you've had a great week. We just got back from a 19-day trip out of the country. It was amazing. We're catching up, but it was a lot of fun and super productive, but we're really glad to be back home with family and friends and sleeping in our own bed in our own time zone. Amen. Amen. Yes, we did have a great time and we were blessed to be able to go to Israel with our church. And then we spent a week in Stockholm, Sweden with our good friends, Pastor Andreas and Lena Nielsen, investing in marriages at Hillsong Church. It was really an amazing trip. We took our 17-year-old daughter with us and it was the first time she'd ever seen snow go big or go home seeing right. snow for the first time in another country she loved it for about five minutes and then she was ready for south florida and actually was looking for the sun schedule when we got back home <laughs> that's true so we're really excited about today's show we have jeff and beth mccord with us to talk about the enneagram and marriage we recorded this conversation a few weeks ago and there's so much great content from the conversation that we decided to make this a two-part episode Beth and Jeff are founders of Your Enneagram Coach. They are authors of two books, Becoming Us, Using the Enneagram to Create a Thriving Gospel-Centered Marriage, and More Than Your Number, A Christ-Centered Enneagram Approach to Becoming Aware of Your Internal World. In this episode, we hear from their perspective on how the Enneagram and gospel work together, and they unpack a really practical tool that we call the marriage dance. Before we get to the conversation with Jeff and Beth, we want to make sure you know about the Marriage Reboot Retreat. This is a private, intensive experience for you and your spouse, working exclusively with Lisa and myself for two consecutive full days. At the end of those two days, you'll walk away with a unified purpose for your marriage and a holistic vision for your marriage and family. If you're interested in finding out more about the Marriage Reboot Retreat, we would love to talk to you about it. You can schedule a call with us using the link in the show notes or online at artespousing.com backslash marriage coaching. You can also direct message us on Instagram with the word call and we'll send you a link. You know what? We've given you a lot of options to get in touch with us. So do that. Okay, so let's jump into our conversation with Jeff and Beth McCord. Beth and Jeff, it's so great to have you on the Artist Spousing Podcast. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're so yeah, excited. Thanks. We're really excited. I, I love the name of your podcast, by the way. Thank you. Aww. But the art of spousing says, hey, it's an art. That's right. Yeah. You practice art. And it, like you may come at it a couple of different it. I just think it's a wonderful name. Well, that's exactly uh, thank what, you. yeah, thanks. That's what, what it's all about is that, you know, marriage is a lot of it's, there's principles and there's a little bit of science to it, but there's really each couple and you guys know this from Enneagram, each couple is different and there's kind of the mm-hmm. art of, of knowing each other. Right. So that's what yeah, we're that's all right. about. That's right. Well, thank you. So I don't know if you, you guys probably know this, but there are 45 couple types on the Enneagram. No, mm. did not know that. When you do the math and put it all together, 45 unique yeah. couple types. And then if you think of each Enneagram type as a swatch color at Sherman Williams, you've got a thousand blues, right? Mm. <laughs> so 
Yeah. That Even is, if you're one of the 45, you're still unique. Awesome. We had to do like a like a podcast on each 45. It'd be like a 50 hour oh, long my gosh. podcast. That would be a course, I think. Well, <laughs> we have 45 courses, one for each couple type combination, and there it was go. a feat. We we climbed Everest. We brought everyone back down, but mm-hmm. we did lose some toes and fingers. Yeah. It was because it, it's eight modules on core motivation, spirituality family of origin, communication, conflict, and becoming your best self together. Mm-hmm. It was it And it's was unique to each, each couple time. type combination. Yeah. That's incredible. Great so, resource. And for those who are listening, if they are like, I've got to look at that, it is at becomingus.com. Becomingus.com. We're going to put that in the show notes for sure, because that's a great resource. I love it. Yeah. So just for our listeners, we'd love to just hear a little bit of your marriage story and a little bit about your background and ministry. I'll start off with the first part and then you can jump into the ministry part. So so we met when we were freshmen in college and got married after our sophomore year. Jeff literally had just turned 20. We couldn't even have alcohol at our wedding because we weren't 21 yet. Yeah. So we had Dr. Pepper. Yeah, we had Dr. Pepper. Yeah, so then we had two kiddos by the age of 25. Jeff went into seminary at that time. Yeah, so we, in college, we were in campus ministry called The Navigators. And so we had embraced that model and did some campus ministry for a couple of years and started having children. Then it was my sense of calling at the time to become a pastor. And so we went to seminary with that path. And it was actually during seminary that we found out about the Enneagram. We were about six years in marriage, two little kids, toddlers, and Beth and I were just missing each other. And that typical just family building time and right. full-time <laughs> seminary, full-time campus ministry at the time. It was, it was a difficult season, but a mentor with the NAVS shared with us a book about the Enneagram and it immediately had a really neat effect for, particularly for Beth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I skimmed it like I did all my other seminary books yeah. <laughs> and we just slowly started to use and incorporate that into our own lives as parents being married and also in working and discipling other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. So when you started to actually find the power of the Enneagram, was that what began to drive you to like investing in other marriages with the Enneagram? Slowly but surely. We didn't do it right off the bat. All of the people that were really teaching the Enneagram at the time predominantly were not from a Christian perspective. So we really just kind of observed it and looked at it. But Jeff yeah, being... I, I remember us going into Borders and Barnes and Nobles. Yeah. And having to go into the new age section to find these books. Wow. But because we were pastors and 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 we wanted to be theologically mindful, it we didn't know what to do with it. Like this is really helpful, these categories, but some of their the worldviews that were being promoted just do not align with the scriptures. Yeah. And so we actually kept it quiet for a while and would share privately with couples and individuals. Yeah, and- During that whole time, we were really reworking how to see the Enneagram from a biblical perspective. And so I would be reading something and I was like, gosh, that is such really good truth. But gosh, that is not from a Christian perspective. So I say, hey, Jeff, how would we see that from a Christian perspective? And so then he would nuance it and share some verses. And I was like, oh, gosh, that's awesome. So we would just do that time and time again over the course of years until we felt really comfortable with a gospel-centered approach to the Enneagram. And like Jeff said, you know, we were utilizing it with some of our friends in the church, couples, and 
totally saw their lives change as it had ours. And so, yeah, we just kind of kept going in that direction, but never really thought to oh, do never. anything. This was going to be really something with it. Just in our private. Yeah, history. we would just kind of share it with you know whoever was interested, and that's kind of how we did it. Probably from 2001 is when we found it till about 2014-15. That's right. So over a decade, we were pretty quiet about it. I remember the first time we did a bigger presentation at a private Christian school and we didn't want to go and promote these other authors that were writing the Enneagram and create any kind of controversy. So that was the first time that we started to make our own content yep. just based upon our own research. And that became a, I mean, it was just a long story of developing resources over time to help individuals and couples. Yeah. The interesting thing is that we were seeing some of the biggest impact on our staff team at church. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just changed everything. Then they shared it with their wives and all of a sudden we've got families that we're all talking with and people well, then it was kind of a funny thing in the church, like, oh, you need to go get some time at the McCord's table to hear about this personality thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think what was so intriguing back then, too, is that the people in our church, we were so really focused on Christ work in and through us and our identity in Christ. But how did this tool help us to gain even more clarity about that? Not that this was a substitute for it, but that this actually brought clarity to how the gospel applies to our life. And that was just really fun to explore with our pastor and his wife and our friends, because that is just the waters we swam in. So nowadays, when I kind of hear some people maybe are confused about how to use the Enneagram or should we, we just were always around people like, no, Christ is foremost and center of everything that we want to talk about. This is just one of many tools and resources out there that we can use to get to know Christ and get to know ourselves better. So it was a really fun season. And then God opened the doors for a whole new way of doing it. Yeah. 2016, 2017, it just took off on its own and Mm -hmm. we rode the wave. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I I love to ask you this because, you know, we've had conversations and talking about your social media and you guys get people who make crazy comments on your social media about Enneagram. And there, there is a sense in some Christians that don't understand Enneagram and they get freaked out by it. I'm, I'm wondering from your perspective why that is specifically. And then you hit on a little bit, but I'd love to hear just a little bit more about how you've connected the Enneagram to the gospel. Well, number one, I affirm what Christians are wanting to do to be discerning in their faith. But the church over its history, even in the Bible itself, was always wrestling with how to be in the world, but not of it. Like it's going to be the just the norm for all of Christian history. So we're always battling with the question. And I think it's Niebuhr who wrote the book, Christ and Culture, that spoke about the seven ways the church has related to its culture. So it's always a battle, and we understand that. For us, we were trained in the tradition of Liberi and Francis Schaeffer, and particularly within our theological tradition, the, we had a, a world and life view that didn't distinguish between secular and sacred, that God is the creator of all things, and that the fall has impacted all things, and that Christ is redeeming all things. It's a new heaven and a new earth, right? God doesn't make junk, and he doesn't junk what he has made. And so for us, it was, how can we redeem this? So if all people are seeking truth, then just because it came from a non-Christian doesn't mean that it's not true, but it may not have the clarity or be in alignment with what the scriptures are saying. And so we just took it upon like, okay, let's figure out what this looks like. So it'd be no different than taking, let's say, John Gottman's material 
Mm-hmm. Now, John Gottman is Jewish, a practicing Jew, but that doesn't mean that in order to embrace his research and his practical stuff that we become need to become Jewish, but we can teach like his four horsemen about yeah. that can damage a marriage are incredibly biblical. Like, of, of course, like when you start off with contempt for another person and speaking against the image of God and another person's dignity, that's going to have problems in your marriage. He discovered something that was true universally and that is also true in the scriptures themselves. And so what that looked like then is that we started to see that our Enneagram types really are the patterns, we'll call it the flesh or the old self, about how we are trying to live life apart from the cross. And then when we started to look at particularly the childhood messages or the core longings, that's where we applied the gospel. I want you to take it from there. Yeah. So, I mean, what God is really after is our heart, right? You know, he's not after the outward behavior and the Enneagram is getting to the heart. There's a lot of personality tools out there. They're great, but they're focusing on the outward and the behaviors. And so that's why we really enjoyed the Enneagram, because not only is it letting you know why you think, feel and behave in particular ways, but it's also going to let you know if you're doing it in a healthy, average or unhealthy way. And so what we've done with that in particular is we show, okay, how are you aligned, misaligned or out of alignment with the truth of the gospel? Now, the good news of the gospel is that no matter what, if we've received Christ, we are aligned. We are his beloved child. But we do in our mind and our heart wander from time to time, but our identity and our relationship status remains the same. And so we can kind of see at any given moment, how's my heart doing? Am I aligned right now or am I misaligned? And what do I need to do to get back into alignment? And so much of that is surrendering, depending on Christ and the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. So really what we're trying to do is to to show how we use our personality, defensive mechanisms, strategies, and different ways of being to try to get this core longing that we have. This is a message that our heart longs to hear. And we will try to get it from just about anywhere. But what we are showing everyone is that, no, it is Christ who satisfies you. And once someone really understands that he satisfies that core longing, they no longer have to keep trying trying to get it from other places. They can go right to the source at any moment, all the time. That's awesome. I mean, I think a lot of the things out there right now that people are getting hung up on are actually misunderstandings of where the Enneagram came from or so, so to speak, the origins. What I would recommend is people can do two things. They can go to our website, yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash origins We've got three podcasts that we did with three pastors that we really cover a lot of material on this subject, but there are also some links on the side that will connect you to other resources. And one of them is an hour long YouTube video by Tyler Zock. Tyler is an Enneagram coach. He just finished being a pastor so he could stay at home with his son in homeschool, but he has done extensive research on the real history of the Enneagram. And he really shows and debunks some of the narrative that's been out there of where people think it's coming from. And it's just not true. And so I really recommend that if people are loving the Enneagram and it has been, you know, very helpful for them, but they're hearing all of this chit chatter around, just go watch Tyler Zock's one hour YouTube video and you will learn so much. That's great. And I love it. We just move forward and use it in a gospel centered perspective. And a couple of things come to mind as to why the Enneagram is popular. One, I think it normalizes who we are. 
Like we really think that we are so fundamentally flawed and broken that no one can understand us and we are beyond redemption. Like there's just no one's like me. I, I am just a freak, whatever the negative head trash term that we would use and that I have something to contribute in the world. You know, as it is right now, just like the Myers-Briggs was popular in the 80s and baby disc in the 90s and early 2000s, but whatever the timing may be, I'm not really sure. The Enneagram is having its particular moment, but it didn't come from a Western school of thought of like a university or a think tank. It actually came out of a wisdom tradition. They were Eastern mystics, but they were one of them who really put together the modern Enneagram was a trained clinician, psychiatrist and university professor. And so he brought all those things together. And then each Enneagram teacher really just teaches it from their own worldview now. So you don't even have to agree with his worldview, but now all the science and research are actually backing it up. And we just completed a course for mental health professionals and we were able to gather close to 40 different research articles of what people are doing to sort of backfill. Whoa, that was a great Southern accent. Backfill. Feel. I appreciate that. (laughs) I got feelings. Um, (laughs) Backfill the research on the Enneagram. I've kind of hinted to this when we met you guys this past fall, but I've been tracking you longer than James. So I've been big fans of y'all for some time just because I've had a love for Enneagram. It's been so helpful in my own emotional growth and spiritual growth and just growth Mm -hmm. as a woman. And I've read all your stuff. I've watched videos back. I think you were actually at our alma mater in Nashville teaching way back when at Trevecca Nazarene University. That's one of the first videos I watched of you. Yeah. 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 Our daughter ended up graduating from Trevecca. Ah. Get out. That's our alma mater. Yeah. So just tracking really a while back, following, reading, and come across y'all's material in different ways. And so in Nashville, you were offering a date night a couple of years ago. And I said, James, if you take me to that date night in Nashville, so we live in West Palm Beach, so we flew there just to have a weekend date night and to hang out with you guys. And so we loved it. But Enneagram date night learned so much about ourselves. But one of the things that you talked about there that we just found fascinating that we would love you just to talk about as it relates to marriage is this marriage dance and how that works. I remember we're finishing up. We were probably about 80% done with becoming us. Probably more than that. And because we were past the like no return, like it hadn't been submitted, but it was close. Yeah. (laughs) And it was before church. I was pastoring again at the time. And I was reading a book by Johnson on emotion-focused therapy. And they used the term of the dance to describe the dynamics, the emotional dynamics between couples called emotion-focused therapy. And I'm like, rut row, I got an idea that we can capture something of the dynamics between two Enneagram types. And we call it the dance. Think of an infinity loop. And so there's stuff that's happening in the heart or below the surface. And there are things that are in behavior. And because the Enneagram speaks to the why that we think, feel, and behave, wow, we can really take this quite far in marriages where it's no longer just about you responding reactively, but why did you respond that way? And that we can actually bring the gospel to bear upon one another's heart. Yeah. So, you know, with that infinity loop, put it horizontal. And so not like an eight, but, you know, on horizontal and then put a line through it. And so below that line is the heart condition. And each of those loops is one of the spouses. 
Above the line is the behaviors. So let's say you start with me, one of my core motivations. So internally, my core motivations is I'm going to run away from any kind of conflict or tension. I'm seeking peace and harmony. And I'll do that through the core weakness of negating myself and merging and going along to get along. All the while, my core longing is wanting to know that my presence matters. So when Jeff might get, let's say, frustrated or upset or brings in a little bit of energy, my nine alarm is going off inside like, uh oh, he's unhappy or he's dissatisfied. And it could be the littlest thing to him being really upset. It doesn't matter. He's not happy. So all of a sudden I'm feeling kind of worked up like, uh oh. And he can kind of sense, and so externally, I'm either starting to shut down or I'm starting to people please, and he can sense this. And my fear is of abandonment. And as a type six, if, if you've been married to a nine for any length of time, you know that they can emotionally disengage. It's kind of like, you know, like a turtle. It's like, uh oh, like we're out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I experienced that as an emotional abandonment. So, which is not I'm, my intention, but of course, that's how it looks. So, on she's you. anxious in moving away from me. I'm anxious in moving towards her. Yeah. Now we're already in the dance. And the more he moves towards mm. me, the more it feels like <laughs> tension and conflict, the more I want to like hightail it out of there and around and around that dance goes. And there were times, and we talked about that in our Becoming Us Live event, like, I would yell at her trying to get her to come back. Like, but it, I love you. Right. Like, it was all like these positive things, but it landed on this nine heart. Like you're saying you love me in a way that communicates the complete opposite. And, you know, but once we started understanding this dance, we were able to go, oh, well, of course, Beth naturally is going to run away and avoid conflict and fear. That's what a nine does. Not saying that it's right, but it is what a nine does. And a six is going to feel abandoned. So what can it be in a different way? You know, how can we change that? Well, if I can trust and believe that my presence matters and that God loves me, even through the ups and the downs and the storms and the turbulence and other people not always being happy, that's what nines want. Just everyone be happy. So when Jeff's not happy, I can remind myself it's okay. I can be in the present moment. I can engage in this is going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard. I'm going to want to run, but I can stay in the present moment because God's got me. Then that is going to land on Jeff's six heart as more security more attunement. And that's going to calm my need for presence, my need for faithfulness Mm -hmm. and trustworthiness really ultimately comes from my relationship with God. Beth was never intended to satisfy something that God made for himself. And so when my heart's at rest with the truth of the gospel and that he will never leave nor forsake me, no matter what Beth may be experiencing, I'm okay. If I do withdraw, If she does withdraw, that's okay, because that doesn't mean that I'm alone. And so then with my heart at rest, I can see that, okay, something's troubling my wife. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to be so reactive out of this fear, but actually I can be more emotionally emotionally Mm -hmm. sober to be able to respond to Beth with kindness, with much more patience. No more yelling assurances of my love, but <laughs> yeah, that didn't, that didn't work. it didn't work and chasing her into every room in the right. house to fight with her. <laughs> but simply to say, Hey, Beth, it looks like you're checking out. That's okay. If you can describe what you're afraid of right now, then you can share it. Otherwise mm-hmm. take a break and then we'll come back and re-engage. Yeah. And so really what we're wanting just to, to show people is that there's an aligned dance and there's a misaligned dance. And what we usually do is we shame ourselves or our spouse for being in the misaligned dance. 
when really we're just wanting attunement, we're wanting someone to see that we're scared, we're suffering, we're upset, whatever it is. And we want someone to come alongside us in the journey, but not condemn, shame, harm, be against. And so if we can understand where our spouse might be coming from, their core motivations, then it helps us to have the empathy and the compassion and actually coming alongside, like Jeff just said, and it allows your spouse's heart to rest a little bit more. But it's really ultimately up to the spouse to be aligned with Christ because, yeah. again, our spouses can't come through for us. Okay, that's a great place to end for this week. Next week, we'll continue our conversation with Jeff and Beth. It will be fun as they actually walk us through the marriage dance with our two Enneagram types. I felt a little exposed. That's true. We also talk about their newest book, More Than Your Number, A Christ-Centered Enneagram Approach to Becoming Aware of Your Internal World. Thanks for listening to us today. If you have any questions or comments about what you've heard, we'd love to connect. Email us at hello at artespousing.com. You can also message us on Instagram at Art of Spousing. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Art of Spousing podcast. Until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.